You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Friday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing great. The weekend is here, but plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked on Cougars. It is a fan Friday. Mitch Peterson is our featured guest today on the show, talking a lot of BYU football, as well as some thoughts on BYU recruiting and BYU basketball. We'll get to that conversation ahead on today's show. And of course, we will continue with our 100 seasons of BYU football. Looking back at 1949, the worst by record, season on BYU football history. We will explain more here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends of the Locked On Today podcast. I want to remind you guys to listen to it every single day as Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest sports news in every major sport with the help of our local experts right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. The best part about it, it's done in under 20 minutes or less. It's absolutely phenomenal. Check out the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or where Ever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's get going here on a Friday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 21st, 2021. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Plenty to get to ahead on today's show, and we're going to start off talking about BYU football in 1949. Going to be a downer note, though, honestly. BYU in 1949, folks, was the worst team we have seen in BYU football history. And I don't mean that uh, facetiously. Truly, the only team in BYU football's 100 years of playing, so we've been counting down, they have played football for 100 seasons. Only one time, one time in their history, have they gone over in a season, and that just so happened to be in 1949. Charles, a.k.a. Chick Atkinson, took over as head coach at BYU in 1949. We mentioned on yesterday's podcast, in case you missed it, that Eddie Kimball, who had been a coach for two different stints for BYU around World War II, moved into the full-time role as BYU's athletic director, a post that he would hold until 1963. Well, enter Chick Atkinson. He was a high school coach up in Idaho, came to BYU very young, 31 years old, not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of the coaches in the early years of BYU's football playing history were young guys or young men who came to BYU as their head coach. And Chick Atkinson, no different. But BYU was absolutely abysmal during his first year. He came from Pocatello High School, excuse me, uh, coming to BYU. And he was a graduate of the University of Idaho, where he's captain of both the football and basketball teams. Pretty well regarded coach and everything. But just an abysmal, abysmal record as he took over BYU. And it was not helped by the fact, as we mentioned also on yesterday's podcast, that a lot of the young players from the 1948 team that went 5-6 and six in Eddie Kimball's final year, well, a lot of them moved on in the coaching transition or took time away from the program. And this was an extremely young team. The vast majority of the guys on the roster were either freshmen or sophomores. And as such, 
BYU struggled mightily. They were one of the worst teams of all time, according to some reports. Matt Brown, formerly of SB Nation, wrote about this, tracking the worst teams in, B- in football history. And he mentioned 1949 BYU. He said, while not technically a current power conference school, BYU's 1949 squad lost to three non-major programs, including Pacific Fleet, which was a what we call, I guess, a semi-pro team of former players from the collegiate ranks who'd gone into the service during the war and were playing as an assembled team. The Pacific Fleet Destroyers were their name, kind of an apt name. They lost by double digits in every game in but one. They also averaged less than 10 points a game overall. And as he mentions, the history of BYU football before the 1970s is a story of anguish and woe. Well, there have been some highlights. We've talked about them. They've had some decent seasons, but this was the absolute dregs. Bottom of the barrel, the worst year in BYU football's history. Just an awful, awful season. Let's run down how things went. BYU opened the year on September 17, 1949, getting absolutely crushed by UTEP, 47-6. They followed that up with that loss to Pacific Fleet, who was a non-major school, a non-major power, 27-13, and then summarily were dismissed by San Jose State, 40-21. Then their first rivalry game came as BYU went to Utah, and this kicked off a four-game road trip for BYU, or four straight road games in a row. BYU went to Utah and were dismantled 38 to nothing, went to Arizona State, lost 49 to 21, went to Denver, lost 35 to 7, then went to Wyoming and lost 45 to nothing. Absolutely abysmal four-game stretch there. Then they host Utah State on November 5th, 1949, get beat 22 to 3. Then BYU hosts Colorado State on a Friday night, November 11th, 1949. BYU held a lead of 14 to 13, thought they were going to win it, and then Colorado State, what was then Colorado A&M, lines up and hits, according to what the BYU's Banyan says, was a 19-yard field goal. I've seen it as much as a 29-yard field goal. And BYU loses 16-14 to and then finishes the year at Montana getting beat 25-6 to and then finally at Pepperdine losing 28-14 to to cap off an 11-game losing streak and 0 for season. The only team, according to BYU's Banyan, the only major college football program that season to not win a football game. And there you have it. Now, I don't want to sound hyperbolic about this, but BYU was absolutely horrendous in 1949, and the sport around them was starting to change. Players were now wearing plastic helmets. The leather helmet era had ended by this time. It kind of got in the way of the dinosaur. Face masks were still not yet a thing. But just to show you how bad it was for BYU that season, the average score for opponents was 38.8 points per game. BYU just 9.5 points per game. They were awful. Rex Berry, who ultimately went on to be actually a very good player for BYU, one of their stars. We'll talk about him in 1950. He was a junior on this team, played both halfback and defensive back. He was quoted as saying, quote, we were undefeated, meaning we didn't defeat anybody, unquote. And funny enough, also in BYU's media guide, and this is a credit to Doug Robinson, who wrote this story back in 2017, uh, the BYU media guide for 1949 says, the immediate outlook for the Cougars is not bright. Well, you weren't kidding, considering they go out there and they 
absolutely stunk it up. And the column that Doug Robinson wrote for the Deseret News was in 2017 when BYU was 1-7 at one point. And he actually had quotes on this uh, from players who were members of the 1949 team. Chick Atkinson came in. Reed Nielsen, who had left a playing career with the Detroit Lions to coach the freshman team at BYU and then was promoted to be on the varsity team coaching staff. And then Bob Bunker also came in as the new coach for the freshman team. So it was a complete change in the coaching uh, ranks. Really hurt BYU in this uh, department. Uh, We also talked about uh, they had no spring practices by and large at this point. No depth in critical positions. Very little experience. Mentioned mostly sophomores. A few juniors. Only a few seniors. And what they called the toughest schedule in many years according to what Doug Robinson wrote. A game played each week for 11 straight weeks when in this era of football it seemed like you would have multiple bye weeks or weeks off between games. But that's not how it went. BYU absolutely struggled. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the media guy continuing here, according to Doug Robinson, putting aside all rose-colored glasses it continued, the immediate outlook for the Cougars is not bright. Such a confession from the Provo camp will not be greeted with delight by Brigham Young's fighting alumni, but to say anything else would almost be certainly hypocritical, unquote. So there you go. BYU is 0 for 11, struggled mightily, but as they say, when you go as bad as BYU did in 1949, there's nowhere to go but up. And we will talk about the 1950s, starting with 1950 on Monday. Uh, Two of their best players from the 1949 team were Dick Hill and Dave Lindstrom. They actually were both quoted in the story by Doug Robinson. They were 88 years old in in 2017. Both of them put them in their early 90s now. They were linemen on offense as well as linebackers on defense. They played both ways, weighing a grand total of 100 and 100, sorry, excuse me, weighing a grand total of 180 and 185 pounds, respectively. Uh, and they struggled, plain and simple. Hill and Lindstrom talked a lot about this, saying, our coaches were just out of high school and it was tough putting them with a young team and playing the teams that we played. We played some big-time teams. We were battling for every point we got. We tried our darndest. Lindstrom also was quoted saying, we have a lot of young guys. We didn't have much success. But that was a few years ago, and I don't remember a lot about it. I know we had some bad seasons through there, but it was a fun time to be playing nonetheless. So, BYU, they tried their best, bless their hearts, but man, awful, awful football overall in 1949 for BYU, and we'll leave it there. We'll talk about 1950 and looking up a little bit more for BYU from their worst season on record in BYU football history, and I mean this sincerely when I say it, I hope never again does BYU football go over in a season. It just sounds like an absolutely miserable experience reading all these articles about BYU in this era, those losses they endured. Didn't sound like a fun time in Provo by any stretch of the imagination. We'll continue to dig into these seasons as we go along. Like we mentioned, 1950 on Monday, and then looking ahead into the 1960s. And soon enough, we'll be in the 1970s and the debut of a young head coach named Lavelle Edwards. Not too far away, folks. Just about a month away, I guess, officially from kicking off that part of the countdown. And I can tell you this much. We are going to have a lot of fun in the run-up to that and also through that and then obviously continuing on until we get to September and looking back at 2020 ahead of the kickoff of the 2021 season. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll talk Fan Friday with our special guest, Mitch Peterson. Thank him for taking the time to join us. We'll talk a lot of BYU football. We'll get to that conversation coming up here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online, folks. They are, as we mentioned all the time, the fastest.
fastest and easiest way for you guys to bet on all of your sports action. No matter your interest, Major League Baseball, NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the chase for the Stanley Cup, UFC, MMA, golf, whatever your interest is, horse racing, they've got it all for you guys. Before the next pitch, before the next time the ball goes up in the air for basketball, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. It's BetOnline.ag and check out all the great sporting news. Check out all the different bonuses they're offering and even find out more about their different contests that they're running at any given time. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to and in the playoffs, especially in the case of hockey and basketball right now. Head to the website now, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus we're still offering by using the promo code Locked On with your first deposit at betonline.ag. Yes, you heard that right. Free money to bet with. All you got to do is, is use the promo code Locked On when you get to betonline.ag and make that first deposit. Take advantage of it now. It's all courtesy of Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, friends, it is a Fan Friday here on the Locked On Cougars podcast, and I am pleased to welcome in Mitch Peterson to the show today as our featured guest host. Mitch, thank you for taking the time. How are you, sir? Hey, doing well, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Always good to talk some BYU football. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to have you on here. This is just one of the favorite parts of my week when we do these Fan Fridays. Let people who are listeners to the podcast kind of have their thoughts heard. And obviously, you've heard the format when we do these. I'm going to open it up to you right now, though. Explain a little bit about your background, who you are, your background as a BYU fan, that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, well, I'm uh, from Sandy, Utah, about 30 years old. I'm about to turn 31, so I'm old. Um, But been going to BYU games my whole life, season tickets all the way up, um, and uh, sitting in Portal C as long as I can remember, up the 11th row there. So get to sit behind the visitor's side and listen to them actually get after the fans. It's actually a good time. Um, Right in the Cougar Club. So I sit with all the uh, people that are not my age over there. (laughs) The blue hairs, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I sit by the people that sometimes don't like when you stand up. Okay. Well, hey, I, 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 so, I, I, but think, I respect it. I, I love think, it. I think many of our listeners can, uh, can, uh, can <laughs> relate with what you're talking about. They probably had those experiences themselves. But you've been going to BYU uh, games your entire life. Is there one or two games that stand out more than any other in all the years you've watched the Cougars? Uh, that I've been to sure. personally yeah, or just you've been watching to, them Yeah, like big wins or... Uh, I was at the 2001 Brandon Dome and Luke Staley BYU comeback over Utah. I was at that one. Sweet. That one stands out pretty good. Um, boy, there's been a lot. I was at the uh, Mississippi State overtime game a few years ago. That was a great game with Taysom, and I think Jamal was still playing there Correct. too. Yeah, uh, that was a great one. Um, boy, Boise State uh, two years ago in the rain. That was a fun one. I was drenched, but that was a good one. <laughs> I think many of us were drenched in that game. I was sitting in the press box at that game, and I still got drenched somehow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't no, know how you pulled that no, off, so but we, I was like, so soaked. With, with the media stuff, a lot of times, like, yeah, we're up in the press box for most of the game, but as the game winds down, we all congregate on the field because we got to head over to the behind the BYU locker rooms where they have the press area. And obviously, okay. last year was a different story. We did it all via Zoom, and who knows how <laughs> the future is going to change with that but uh we'd be de- we were down on the field and it was still raining hard i got pretty wet despite only being out there for a relatively short time compared to what you endured yeah. I, was, I was out there the whole way man and i didn't leave early there was no leaving early that game that's for sure uh the other one that i just thought of while you were talking there is the usc game with zach wilson a year okay. or two, uh, two years ago i guess that was a fun one too 
Yeah, that so. was a, that was a fun game, and I, that one's I think one that people are always going to point to, which kind of the recent uh, past, especially when it comes to the legend of Zach Wilson. We all saw what he did last year, but I think that sure. many BYU fans like yourself who saw him the year before, before the injury, the the broken thumb against Toledo, he was off to a really uh, solid start. It felt like obviously last year's heroics were otherworldly, but you look at those wins over both Tennessee and over USC; those are two major, major wins. Big time wins. And it, he kind of had the, uh, I, when I first started watching him, I thought he's kind of a gunslinger. He just, mm-hmm. he tries to make the play. And it kind of, at first, I remember a couple games and I can't remember off the top of my head. I think Toledo maybe actually. Um, but a couple of, he would throw it across the middle a little bit and it was a little dangerous kind of bite him sometimes, but man, the, the jump after he recovered from the injury uh, last year, unbelievable. I, I mean, second overall draft pick, <laughs> To the Jets, obviously, and man, working with John Beck must have done something because that was. I didn't expect that. I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was that good. Uh, I think I think you're echoing the sentiments of pretty much everybody in the BYU fan base because I think we all. I think everybody who watched him and seen him up close, myself included, in the media and everything, we saw. Okay, this kid's got talent. He could do something with it, but to make the jump he made, like you mentioned from 2019 to 2020 was just absolutely incredible and hats off to him. He put the work in, like you mentioned, working with guys like John Beck absolutely benefited him in that regard. But I wanted to ask you, Mitch, about the 2020 season, what were your takeaways from the year overall? I thought they, they, it was a, well, first of all, they were fortunate, I think to be the only show in town in the West for a while there. The spotlight was on and they were up to the challenge. Um, but big leap forward. I think it was a big boost for recruiting. Obviously you saw BYU land some guys that maybe they wouldn't have landed in the past this, this off season. Um, and you, I just think there's excitement in the program right now. I mean, I, I, I never thought I would see the day where BYU had two alternate helmets coming in next year. <laughs> I never thought I would see it. I, I, um, I, I'm with you on that. Cause when I was, when I, when I, when I was told about the helmets, I was told like, Hey, keep an eye out. They're going to be, have alternate helmets. I was like, yeah, that's funny. I've heard that for years. That ain't actually happening. Right. Come on now. Right. Seriously. And you'd see the mock-ups on Twitter, obviously. And I never thought they would go with a Royal, um, a Royal helmet. And I actually, to be honest with you, I'm surprised at this, but I think the Navy one's my favorite. Really? Okay. So Navy, yeah. you're, you're a Navy guy then. Okay. That's actually not normally my okay. gears, all the Royal gear, but the all Navy look, that's not bad, man. I, I'm with you. I, I was, when I was told, okay, give me a Navy helmet. My, my initial reaction, I was with you. I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. We'll see how that, but the overall right. aesthetic, the look of it, I got to give Nike, I give BYU, I got to give all the parties involved in designing that. BYU's uniform set now, I know it's relatively basic. It's not expansive like Oregon's is, and it's not necessarily as tradition laden as, let's say, USC or Notre Dame. But what BYU has is they have really innovated, I felt like, while also holding to that traditional look that BYU has had for years. For sure. And I think, too, in Kalani, he's been fantastic at, at this, obviously. But uh, kids that you're recruiting, they care about this stuff. This is important. And I don't, I don't know that BYU's done a, a great job of that kind of stuff in the past with the recruiting. They're obviously doing a great job now. Um, but just the investment into the program as a fan, I'm really enjoying seeing that because there were a few years there where I was kind of questioning, do we want to – pay to play like everyone else because we're playing the p5 schedule but we're we're not uh, doing the things we need to do to compete but man credit to tom homo because uh, obviously uh field renovations the locker room now the, mm-hmm. the new uniforms they're 
really recruiting aggressively the schedule. I just think they're doing a great job. And it's a really exciting time to be a BYU fan. All right. You've given me like four different launching points for other questions here. But let's, let's, okay. let's go with this one, though. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the recruiting aspect here. Obviously, you mentioned the fact that Tom Homo and all parties involved down there at BYU, they're investing a lot. Like you mentioned, new scoreboards coming mm-hmm. in, new LED boards, new sound system in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. They're upgrading the locker room over the student-athlete building. Do you think that this, along with that 11-1 record last year, will give BYU a, a recruiting bump? Or do you feel like BYU just is going to continue to do what they do? They're going to always pull in some guys who are not necessarily the uh, the guys that BYU typically should pull in just due to the connection with the church or the university itself. Or do you think they actually can go out and maybe land some bigger fish? I think they can land some bigger fish. Obviously, it's kind of similar with Mark Pope, but they, they swing for the fence, which I like. You're not going to get everyone, obviously. Um, but it's, there's kind of a swagger in Provo right now. It's, it's kind of cool. And I think these players really love playing for Kalani. And so I think they're going to get some, some bigger fish here. I mean, obviously BYU, they're going to get the guys that they go after. It's, it's not going to be a huge change, but I think they're going to land some of these bigger fish more often. And I think we saw that this off season with uh, you have to help me with names, but a couple of kids from Timpview. So my point is that they're, they're getting some of these kids that maybe they wouldn't have gotten in the past. And I think that's really exciting. There you go, Mitch Peterson. Thank you for taking the time. We'll get to more of his thoughts on BYU football, even a couple of thoughts on BYU basketball here in just a few moments. Stay tuned for that. But first, let's talk a little bit about our good friends at Built Bar, guys. These are the best-tasting protein bars, bar none. Pardon the pun, but I mean it sincerely. I absolutely love Built Bars. What I love about them, covered in 100% chocolate, and they taste like a candy bar. They nailed it on the copy points they sent us. These things taste like a candy bar. I tried them. They do taste like a candy bar. I crave Built Bars. I have never craved a protein bar in my entire life until I had a Built Bar, guys. They're absolutely phenomenal. I want to encourage you guys to give them a shot. The best part about them, they're incredibly healthy for you. High protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar. They are are just an absolutely insane value, and I cannot get enough of them. Nine base flavors you guys can pick from. My recommendation is you go to BuiltBar.com, order the variety pack if you've never ordered before. It comes with two of the nine base flavors, so 18 bars in total. You can try all of them, both nut and non-nut flavors. Find out what is your favorite, and then go back and order your favorites. Some of mine include Cherry Barcia, Peanut Butter Brownie. I'm a big fan of the raspberry flavor, and funny enough, uh, the salted caramel is an underrated flavor. I want to encourage you guys to give them all a shot, though. While you're at BuiltBar.com, by the way, you can save 15% on your next order by using the promo code LOCKED15. You heard that right. 15% off your next order using the promo code LOCKED15 and get enjoying the best-tasting protein bars with Built Bars. Continuing on here on a Fan Friday on the Locked On Cougars podcast with Mitch Peterson, our featured guest host. We do these every Friday. If you have interest in being a guest host here on the podcast, feel free to reach out. Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're on social media, Locked On Cougars. Search us out. My personal Twitter feed, my handle is Jacob C. Hatch. You can reach out to me there or email the show. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is our email address. And would love to have you guys be part of the show in the future. Now, getting back to the schedule topic at hand here, you mentioned a little bit earlier here, Mitch, 
with BYU upcoming this fall, there are seven Power 5 teams on the schedule. And we all know last season, there's supposed to be six on the schedule. Schedule all screwed up. We understand. They won 11 games, notwithstanding. Now, as they look forward to this year, what is your confidence level that Kalani Satake has things rolling here and he has reloaded in time for BYU to take on this very tough slate. Obviously, you're always more confident if you have your quarterback coming back, mm-hmm. especially a guy like Zach Wilson. I'd be a lot more confident, but I think they've got a good quarterback room. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't pick quarterbacks anymore because I've been wrong too many times on who should be the starter. Okay. Um, but I think any of the guys that are in there could do a good job. Um, I think Jaron Hall obviously brings a little bit more of a dynamic. He can, he can scramble around a little bit, really athletic, great arm. Baylor Romney seems like a dude that just can get the team up the field and score points. Um, it's just been clutch. So I like that about him. Um, obviously we haven't seen either of the other, uh, quarterbacks play yet, but I think Kalani can do it. It's a tough schedule, man. I was looking at it earlier again, two, I see two wins that are guaranteed on the schedule and they are, I think Idaho state and Georgia Southern are both okay. Guaranteed wins. <laughs> I say that Georgia Southern's probably very talented, but you would think those are penciled in wins. Georgia Southern's gonna be interesting. They run the triple option, but the nice part is BYU does have that game against Idaho State, which should be a relative uh, walk in the park, and then a bye week to get the option defense installed before going to Georgia Southern. So I actually kind of agree with you. I think there's it's it's set up the right way for BYU to go and beat GSU. Yeah, for sure. I think with this schedule here, with uh, they've lost a lot of players last year, if they could get eight, eight nine wins, I mean, you can't complain about that. Not is that, at all. Is that, is that kind of where you kind of peg things at eight to nine wins this year? I would think eight to nine. Man, if they got eight or nine wins uh, and they're top 25, I'm, I'm a happy fan over here. And see, the thing about that is I actually think that most BYU fans in their heart of hearts, yeah, obviously 10 plus wins, dream season. Well, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But you look, I'm with you. You look at that schedule, seven power five teams. You're, you're really going to be getting after it. You're, you've got teams. Let's, let's be honest. Arizona, very much in rebuild mode. BYU should yep. go to Las Vegas thinking, okay, we're going to pummel these guys. We're going to be one and no, that, that should be in yep. your mind. I think there are games also on that schedule, Arizona state and Utah. They're going to be dog fights, plain and simple. We are, we already know the history of Utah, but then also you look at a Virginia who knows what Bronco Mendenhall is going to have two years ago his team was very very good last year eh, they were okay but, not great yeah and then washington state who knows what Rolo's gonna do so i <laughs> right i see a couple of these games that are grouped together uh, you mentioned utah and arizona state and kind of well obviously byu fans want that utah win more than anything mm-hmm. right now it's been so long but realistically if i take a step back if they split those games and started the year two and one that's a great start on a schedule like this well, as compared to what they typically do, it's usually like a one and two start. So I, th- I, I, right. I, I think yeah, right. you've got something to, you got something there. Uh, Mitch, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about just kind of BYU and what they're, what you're expecting this fall. I think that this is a team and you probably listened to the podcast where I think it's going to be very mm-hmm. much led by this running back core. I think that Tyler Algier, Lopini Katoa, even guys like Hinkley Ropati, despite not being on the field much so far in his career, I think they're going to be a big time strength for this offense and really help lead the way. What what do you expect for this offense in the fall? Yeah. I mean, you bring back a thousand, I think actually 1100 yards, yards rushing yep. with, with uh, Tyler Algier last year. They expect the same thing this year. Obviously um, offensive lines, a little bit of a question mark just because they're, they're new. I think they're very talented, um, but question mark 
the same. And then, so you've got Algier and then Lopini Katoa, who really can run, really can run him at the slot too. He's pretty talented that way, but you're right. They're deep. I mean, you've got guys like uh, Finau and McChesney that are there sitting there. Who knows what they're going to bring? They've had really good flashes, both of them. Um, and then Rapati, like you mentioned, I've just seen, we've seen all just clips and on Twitter and camp, but looks kind of like a physical specimen out there. So very deep at running back. That's going to take some pressure off the quarterbacks, obviously, whoever that starting quarterback is. But um, you mentioned the running backs. I don't know that I've ever seen the receiving core as deep as it is here. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of potential here. Is there another team at BYU outside the football program that is a, a pet favorite of yours, if that makes sense? Uh, you mean like the basketball team or are you basketball or, or any, any, any team on campus? What, I know people are big fans of volleyball. I know some people are baseball aficionados. Is there a certain team yeah. outside of football? That's your, your, your other team, I guess. I'd say outside of football, I follow basketball the most, okay. but I have been to be to baseball games and that's a good time. If you're out that way, for sure. Well, let's talk about basketball a little bit. what did you see from Mark Pope? Okay. What, what do you like about him? I, it's kind of the similar as with Kalani. I think those players really love playing for him. Um, obviously you saw that getting harms last year um, out of the transfer portal and he's, he's still in the transfer portal. I think he just got a point guard, uh, what a day or two ago. Yep. T John Lucas. So great pickup. I saw he had finalized his list of uh, teams he was interested in. I think Utah was on there, a few other teams. Mm-hmm. And to, so that's a recruiting win for Pope there. Um, yeah. Alex Barcelo coming back next year, which I wasn't sure that was going to happen, but that's fantastic news because he had a great year. Um, so having a guy like that come back to lead a team, uh, that's pretty exciting. I think it was a tough draw with the tournament this year, getting UCLA because I think they were, I think they were seeded too low. I think they were better than their seed. Well, yeah, especially based on what they did. Absolutely. <laughs> right. For sure. So even going in, when you watched them beat Michigan state, I was going into that game thinking I'd, I'd rather have UCLA. And after watching that game, I'm thinking I maybe would rather have Michigan state actually. So, but I think Mark Pope's doing a great job and it's again, same thing with the football team. It's exciting time to be a BYU fan. I think they're trending in the right direction. Um, Obviously, Gonzaga is what it is, but I think they're going to be in a position to compete with them um, here and there. Maybe not every year, but every uh, other year, I would think they'll be in a position to compete with them and make a push at the tournament. And that's a good good spot to be in. Absolutely. Well, uh, Mitch, last thing for me, you you know this format as well as I do. I know you've mentioned you listen to the podcast, but I'm opening the floor to you. We'll give you a little bit of your soapbox. Is there anything you'd like to let BYU fans know and or riff on? BYU fans need to be excited about what Kalani and, and Tom Homo are doing. Um, obviously, everyone's got an opinion on Twitter. Some people are not as excited about certain things, um, but I am. And uh, I couldn't be happier with where the program is right now. Would really love to see a win against Utah this year. <laughs> That'd be great to just get that off of our backs a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I said, great time to be a BYU fan. Excited to get back to Lavelle Edwards this year. Uh, it was hard not going last year. It was a little bit different. So um, that's really all I got, man. Well, Mitch, it was a pleasure to have you on. I think you did a fantastic job. I think you echoed a lot of sentiments that BYU fans out there have. And thank you for taking the time to join us here on a Fan Friday. Hey, thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. Go Cougs. And there you have it. Mitch Peterson can't thank him enough for taking the time to join us here on Locked on Cougars. Some great thoughts on BYU football and BYU basketball as well. You can follow Mitch on Twitter if you so desire at Mitch P. 
80 underscore, excuse me, Mitch P underscore 87. Big thank you to him for taking the time to join us here on the show. It was fun to catch up with him. And like I mentioned, if you would like to be part of the podcast down the road, please let us know. Two quick notes before we go here on the podcast. We'll talk about these more in depth next week, especially on the track and field front. But congratulations to the track and field program. 69, an NCAA program record, 69 entries. Let me put the obligatory, nice, in there to the NCAA West preliminaries. This is the final meet ahead of the NCAA championships. BYU is going to be well represented at the national level, and that's incredible to see 69 different student athletes for BYU track and field get this opportunity. It's the most combined women's and men's entries by any NCAA Division I team this season. Looking forward to seeing a number of them advance out of the preliminaries into the national meet, and hopefully BYU can go out there and put together a national championship type run. They're ranked number five in the men's team. I believe the women's team, yeah, ranked number 16. So nationally ranked in both sides. Very, very strong teams for both the men's and women's track and field teams. Congratulations to Ed Eyestone and the rest of his team over there. One other note for you guys is BYU softball dropped its opening game of the NCAA tournament, losing to number 21 Virginia Tech 5-2 at Farrington Stadium last night. Uh, BYU will be back at it today, 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time, trying to keep themselves live in the NCAA regional. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. You can watch it on the Watch ESPN app. Or excuse me, ESPN3, not Watch ESPN. ESPN3 is where will be broadcast. Like I mentioned, first pitch set for 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time if you want to watch Gordon Eakin and his squad in action. Alright, that is going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you guys have a lot of fun in the sun. The weather's supposed to be eh, okay here along the Wasatch. We're supposed to dip a little bit. Maybe some bad weather coming in. But nonetheless, I hope you guys are all doing great and we'll be back with you guys on a Monday recapping whatever happens this weekend and also looking ahead to the week ahead on Monday. So that makes sense? Hopefully it does. Until then, have a great weekend. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 21st, 2021 and we will talk to you guys on Monday.